0: Welcome to The Things I Preach to Myself About podcast. I'm your host, Rich and Today's episode is going to be a little different than the norm as I have been prompted to be more impromptu. In other words, taking some of the topics that God's been laying on my heart and pressing upon me, trying to get me to learn something, and instead of just typing it up in my normal, printing it into my uh, my, uh, blog, And then just basically reading it on the podcast, um, really it was just stated, just let it flow. And so that's what I'm going to do today as we talk about a little bit about salvation and that tough word for a lot of us, assurance. Now many of us here in our walk of faith struggle with assurance. Am I saved? Is God really hanging on to me? Why do I still have the deepest struggles that I still do? Because I basically am flying by the seat of my pants sometimes and kind of doing my own thing willy-nilly and not really just filled with that spirit that's prompting me to walk pious and holy and righteous and all things. And quite honestly, I've had a lot of that just like so many others. Mine's always been, why am I suffering from forgetfulness a lot of times. You know, how come I'm not remembering God in my day-to-day walk, reading the scripture and not just, it just doesn't absorb, and I'm just not, boom, I can recall scripture instantly. And so my forgetfulness is, it's probably based on a kind of a subconscious rebellion and a disobedience to God, which we all have. I think it just manifests itself in various different ways. And for me, one of those ways is just I, I am constantly forgetful and forgetting God in my day to day. But when you have that struggle, I think oftentimes, you know we we sometimes question, and this is where that term assurance comes into, is, am I saved? And there, I'll just state right now, there are a billion different observations from some of the greatest theologians in the world in history that have all looked at it from various aspects and various aspects. You know, can you lose your salvation? You know, once saved, always saved. All these different arguments. And to be honest with you, I am not going to try to give a definitive, theological, biblically accurate, 100%, this is how it is, answer. Because I don't know. And I've listened to countless numbers of preachers and readings on this. And I came across something a few weeks ago that I thought was quite interesting. I was listening to uh, Derek Thomas from Ligonier, who was doing kind of a guided tour of the entire Pilgrim's Progress book from John Bunyan. And it was really awesome because... Maybe like you, I've read the book several times, I've listened to the audio narrative of it several times, and it's obviously like the second best-selling thing ever since the Bible. And it really is the perfect allegory of our Christian walk in so many facets and so many ways. So it's been studied by the greatest minds and read to children throughout history. But there's a portion in there that I guess I never really paid attention to, and Derek Thomas brought it up, and it was really kind of neat. And it was when Christian was in the interpreter's house, and the one of the the things that he was showing him to help him learn was the I think the the fifth the fifth room, and it was a man in an iron cage. And this guy is sitting in this iron cage, and he's just woeful, and everything is just bad. And and it was really, the way they put it kind of really got me thinking a little bit about this salvation and assurance, which is a struggle. Now, in this struggle, it's, it, it really comes down to, you know, a lot of people point right to Hebrews chapter 6 and chapter 10. And chapter 6, you know, it talks about... Uh, that uh, you know, once they've they've tasted the heavenly gift and shared in the Holy Spirit and have tasted the goodness of the Word of God and the powers of the age to come and then have fallen away, to restore them again to repentance since they're crucifying once again the Son of God to their own harm and holding him up to contempt. So basically it's saying, you've tasted it, you put your hand to the plow, you turned around, you pulled a lot's wife, and boom, you're done. That's it. Well, if that was the case then I'm wasting my time. Because if that was the case, I lost my salvation long ago. And if that was the case, so have so many others. But it's, it's been the struggle, because people are always wanting that comfort feeling, that knowledge of knowing that everything is groovy, and I'm secured in the kingdom of God, and I don't have to fret anymore. And that would be a great thing if that's how everything worked. In a perfect world it would be black and white and everything would be wonderful. So I think John Bunyan's character at the interpreter's house really kind of shows up something because Christian basically asks him, How did you get in this condition? And the guy says, You know, I left off to watch and be sober, I laid the reins upon the neck of my lusts, I sinned against the light of the word and the goodness of God, I have grieved the spirit and he is gone. I tempted the devil, and he has come to me. I have provoked God to anger, and he has left me. I have so hardened my heart that I cannot repent. That's some really scary words right there when you think about it. As we're walking in this faith walk through life, relying on the cross of Jesus, trusting in his salvation, his is imputing righteousness to us and taking on our sins. And then you think about the opportunity that could lie saying, oh, guess what? By the way, you've sinned one too many times, you've upset God, he's done. He's washing his hands from you. That's that's a lot of heavy stuff. And and truthfully, I, I believe there's a lot of people, including myself, that have really struggled with that whole concept. Now, I know in today's churches, they rarely touch the subject, if at all. There's probably only a handful of preachers that will come out and just state right out, okay, lose salvation, not lose salvation, and here's what's going on. But back in the Puritan days, back in John Bunyan days, and and even before that, they, they really, there was a lot of teaching on that. That was kind of a looming thing, you know, it was the whole Turner burn or, you know, cling or die type of mentality that was taught from the pulpits. And it really, you know, was to kind of keep the fear of God fire burning in these people so that they like, hey, you know, the chance of losing my salvation is lingering right there at the door. I better clean up my act. So... I mean, because the interpreter basically tells Christian, you know, as he's looking at this guy and he says, let this man's misery be remembered by you and be an everlasting caution to you. So there's something there. And again, a lot of the modern pulpits, especially that if they do teach out of the Bible, which so few do anymore, but if they're teaching it, they're always saying, you know, once saved, always saved. Once you claim Jesus or once you've been baptized or once you've done this or once you've done that, everything is groovy. And I, I guess as I've struggled with this debate in my own personal life, as I've questioned my own faith, as I've continually thought, as I've hit some lows in times where I thought, oh, that's great. God's left me. Essentially the whole Romans one, you know, well, he gave them over to their lust and he's done, you know, that's, that's toast. Again, you know, in the Bible, it says, you know, for land that has drunk the rain that often falls on it and produces a crop useful for those, uh, for whose sake it is cultivated, receives a blessing. But if it bears thorns and thistles, it's worthless and near to being cursed and its end is to be burned. So the question remains, do we get to that point? I mean, are we at this point at our, in our walk? Can, can we just hit this wall and all of a sudden the blessings from God have been cut off? That's it. When you, when you look at those verses, you know, it's just like in Luke 8. You know, the ones, the, those so, the those seeds, the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear, receive the word with joy, and these have no root who believe for a while, in a time of temptation, they'll fall away. So is that is that where I've been at? Is Has that, is that been my level of struggle? I once asked a pastor, and I've shared this before, but I have once asked a pastor, I said, you know, I don't know if I'm saved. And it really is it's tearing me apart. And he said, well, the first thing I'll tell you is the fact that if if you're worried about it, then you're saved. Because if you weren't saved, you wouldn't be worried about it. Now, I'll be honest with you, that was super comforting to hear that in that respect. Lord knows that I overthink things so many times and I can sit there and run circles around the same argument and drive myself batty doing it. But when it comes to these super controversial things, and especially, you know, being a quote unquote modern Christian in this modern westernized age where You want everything black and white, and you want everything with comfort and assurance and all this softness. To hear those kinds of words is a big plus, but there are caveats to this whole thing. And when we look at Pilgrim's Progress, when we look at Hebrews chapter 6 and chapter 10, when we really dig deep into this, there's still a reality there that's in Scripture that we have to take heed to. Because it's obvious that within the Bible's pages, there are a lot of warnings. And again, I've referenced Romans chapter 1. And it gets to the point where you got people that are, you know, like, you know, putting your hand to the plow, but then turning around. Being that seed where you go, oh, yep, this is really great, but I'm not producing any fruit. The fig tree that was cursed by Jesus. All the references to putting the axe to the root. Separating the wheats and the tares and, you know, burning up the bad stuff, you know. There's a lot of references to fruit producing. And if something's not producing fruit, guess what? It's going to get tossed in the fire. So there are certain warnings. And they're obviously going to come to a point where, you know, God's going to say, just like in Romans chapter 1, since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up. You know, God gave them up, God gave them up, and it's over and over. So when you see all these warnings, and then you read something like in Hebrews 6 and Hebrews 10, you have to stop and think. And just like the man in the iron cage, there's a reality there. So what is that reality? The reality is this, I think, and this is, again, my opinion. I'm not a theologian or a practicing pastor or any of that kind of stuff. But based on how I've been impacted personally is the fact that, first of all, in your salvation, in your sanctification, your growing faith, you're, first of all, growing. Remember Paul talked about, you know, you're, you're living on milk, but, you know, we want you to jack it up a little bit to some meat here, okay? You know, milk is good, but you got to get to the meatest things. You got to start growing. And with that growing is where you start producing fruit, and that doesn't mean, you know, you're going out and helping people across the street and, you know, you're doing this and do it. Those are great things to do. But what are the fruits that are are produced in your life? Are they good fruits? And then on top of that, there's really the the strength of how you stand when you're, you know, when trials and, and things hit you, you know, the storms hit in life. How are you standing? A lot of us get knocked over. I get knocked over a lot. I'm not going to lie, I get knocked over, I get my feet swept out from underneath me because a lot of times there's this constant struggle where, again, like I said in the beginning, my forgetfulness is like, okay, I'm hit with a storm, but I'm not thinking of scripture. I'm not thinking of God's word. I'm not thinking of God's assurance. So is it, you know, is it showing perseverance in the midst of your trials and temptations? So as you can see, there's there's a lot of different facets, but that sanctification is you're growing, you have to be growing. And if you're not growing, then you need to really stop and reevaluate because that growth is going to strengthen that faith and really dig those roots in deeper. And if it's bothering you, kind of like that pastor told me, that's a good thing because that means that you are questioning and wanting to dig into it, which leads me to that word I used and which really comes down to Christian's example of the man in the iron cage, that whole section really talked about perseverance. The main, the main theme, I think, in that whole portion right there, as short as it is, is persevering to the end. That's, that's a big part. The man gave up to follow his own lusts and is forever released from God, God turning him over to his desires. There is that reality. It's scriptural. It happens, you know, was he really saved to begin with? I can't, I can't answer that. Because again, there was a number of seeds that hit the ground and one of the seeds, you know, it, it, it started to grow. It was excited. It was excited in the faith, but it didn't. So, you know, we look at like Lot's wife. She looked back into the world. And then there's probably the greatest example of, Somebody that was there, that I, I believe had, that, had this genuine faith, but fell away. And that's Judas Iscariot. And we can't discount the reality of that. Some, some will argue, again, I'm not getting into the theological debates. Some, some will argue, oh, he never really, he, you know, he was just going along. He was a false prophet, blah, blah, blah. I, I, I think personally, he was there. He was walking the walk, talking the talk. He was genuine. He was there. And I think that, you know, there was that, but I think he hit that point. He hit that point where he put his hand to the plow, but turned around and decided that his lusts of the world, his lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life, those were the more important things. He cashed in serving the creator to serve the devil and we can always take a look back to the very first pages of the Bible. Adam and Eve were walking with God. You couldn't ask for any more utopia type world where you got two people walking in the faith of God. But why did he fall into temptation? Again, a great theological debate, but why? Well, because we're not perfect and we're going to make mistakes. And we do have a level of we're making a decision. I've, I've made a lot of decisions that I've later regretted. I've made a lot of decisions that I've fallen down a rabbit hole that has caused problems in my life. And, you know, we all do it. Eve made a decision. You're walking with God, but then you turn and you allow the devil in. And that's essentially what happened. And I think Judas did the same thing. He was walking with God, but then he caved in to his own lusts, his own temptations, his own passions, his own desires, and God let him go in the garden of Eden. God could have snuffed out the serpent, the serpent which was the devil. God could have done all that, but there there is a level on our shoulders that we have to bear this this easy believism thing that that seems to be really. Prevalent in so many big churches today, I think is a is a load of garbage. To sit there and think that you can just sit back on your own laurels and say, Oh, I believe in God and I read the Bible once in a while and I go to church and everything's gravy. I think that comfort level is extremely dangerous. Their foot shall slip in due time, as it says in Deuteronomy. Romans 1 and Hebrews 6 and Hebrews 10 and various other scriptures would not have those warnings about perseverance to the end. And that's to the end. So there's this level where we're sitting back, and we actually should be standing up, grabbing every tool in the toolbox, every weapon on the, on the shelf, putting on that armor, and gearing up, because there's a potential for great loss here. And if you're sitting back on the couch and, you know, watching a YouTube video once in a while or going to church once a week or, you know, doing all that thing, thinking everything's gravy, well, again, you know, Adam and Eve, they both lost the garden. Lot's wife, who was, Lot was a a righteous man. And, you know, so she was standing firm on the foundation, you know, believing like Abraham and all that. And... Yet she looked back. Jesus said, you don't. You put your hand to the plow, guess what? That's it. You stick with it. He wouldn't have told the parable of the sower and the seeds and the different conditions if it wasn't important. And Judas was right there with the other 11, because I'll tell you what, the 12 apostles were sitting around with Jesus on the last night, and Jesus said, one of you is going to betray me. And I guarantee you they didn't all look over at Judas and said, Yeah, I think that's the dude. They didn't do that. What they did do is they looked amongst themselves and thought, Oh my gosh, is it me? Because they were questioning their assurance. They weren't sure of themselves if they were saved or not. Guess what? We walked that same walk. If Jesus said, you know, one of you is going to betray me. And we're all sitting around looking at each other. I'm going to be questioning myself. I can guarantee you that. I am. That's how weak I am in that respect. We need to really buckle down. I think we really need to not lay back on our self-made assurance. And we need to really continue to persevere to the end. So that when you do get tested, you're strong. You know. Count it all joy, my brothers and this is in James, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. And if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously. So we're not to be this double-minded, unstable. We are supposed to be strong, rooted, confirmed, assured, and persevering to the end. Like Paul said, I got to persevere to the end of this race. Paul was striving physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually every single day to have that assurance. And that's what I got to do. I have to do that. I don't want to be that man in the iron cage that so easily falls away because I think it can happen. Again, I'm not going to get into the debate as, you know, once saved, always saved. But I think that easy believism Is hogwash. And I think we really need to evaluate our standing and be more zealous, striving for that pious righteousness and filling ourselves with the Word of God daily, always being ready to give an answer for the faith that we have inside us. Well, this has been Rich Vangin Freewheeling, and I'm just letting you know this is what's pouring out of my heart. I appreciate your patience and time with my utterings and stutterings. And this podcast is uh, certainly not in a little cleaned up version. But again, this is really important stuff. And we really need to stop and look at it and make sure that our assurance is being built by our perseverance during our sanctification. All big words, look them up. They're, They're important. We need to know what we believe, why we believe and to trust in God through Jesus Christ, keeping our eyes on Jesus at all times, never giving up. Well, God bless you all, my friends, and may the Lord keep you, strengthen you, and guide your steps. Amen.